0: grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. There was a minivan commercial a few years ago. I want you to try and picture it with me in your mind. You've got this state-of-the-art minivan and the happy family is all loading into it and the the voiceover is saying, this state-of-the-art minivan comes with You know, climate-controlled cup holders and with a a full sky view over the the top and a six-point navigation system and everything about this van and the family getting into it, it. It looks like a picture of peace. And POW! It gets blindsided. And all of a sudden, the screen goes black And just some words pop up on the screen that say, Didn't see that coming? Nobody ever does. Always buckle your (laughs) seatbelt. There's something about that that jives with what Jesus is saying in today's gospel. He says, Didn't expect the return of Jesus? Nobody ever does. It's unexpectedly expected. We know that it's going to happen, but we don't know when it's going to happen. Jesus himself says that he doesn't know when it's going to happen. Only God the Father knows when it will be. But the point of that, as the Lord tells it to us, is not so that we would be frightened or afraid or anxious. The point is that we would be prepared in Shakespeare's great uh, uh, play Hamlet, at one point, Prince Hamlet says this, If it be now, tis not to come. If it be not to come, it will be now. If it be not now yet, it will come. The readiness is all. The readiness is all. That's the case. For you and me, too. We don't know when Jesus is going to return, but we do know that he is going to return. And because of that ignorance, of that not knowing when it's going to be, the readiness is all. So how do we get ready? What are the sources of that readiness? That's what I want to talk about this morning. And I don't usually do this, but I'm going to do it today. I want to give you an acronym to help remember this. The acronym is VIM, V-I-M, you know, for you Spartan fans out there fighting with a VIM, which we have not been doing recently, but be that as it may, VIM, and that stands for Vigilance, Indebtedness, and Mementos, Vigilance, Indebtedness, and Mementos, VIM. I want to unpack each of those, because the readiness is all. So first of all, Vigilance. The story is told about St. Augustine, a great teacher of the church in the 4th and 5th centuries, but before he was St. Augustine, before he was that great leader of the church, he was just Augustine, and in fact, he was known more for his life of vice rather than his life of virtue in all of the ways that he was running contrary to God's purposes and God's will. He was really successful in his career, but he was really unsuccessful in his personal life. And Augustine himself was starting to realize this. He was in his mid-30s. Maybe today we might say he was having something of a a midlife crisis. He was wondering who he was and what he was doing. He felt like he was was sleepwalking through life. But then one day, he's going through a a courtyard, and there's a little boy in the courtyard who gives him the strangest bit of advice. As Augustine walks past him, this little boy says to him, Tole, lege. "Tole, lege," keeps repeating it. "Tole, lege," which is Latin for "Take, read." And the little boy gives Augustine a, a copy of the scriptures. gives him a Bible. And Augustine is so taken aback by this little boy's admonition that he doesn't. He takes the Bible and he opens it up and he does like some of us do sometimes. He just flips through it. Okay, I don't know anything about this book. Where where should I turn to? And as he's flipping through it, he lands on Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 13. In fact, the same passage that we read for our epistle lesson this morning a few moments ago. And Augustine reads in Romans chapter 13 where Paul says, the hour of our salvation is nearer to us than when we first believed. Therefore, Paul says, stay awake. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And in that moment, Augustine suddenly realizes he's been sleepwalking through life that he needed the vigilance that comes through faith in Christ. See, vigilance, it comes from the word vigil, which simply means, literally, stay awake. To have that kind of wakeful watchfulness. Just like Paul says in that reading. Stay awake because the hour is nearer than when we first believed, than when we first came to faith. And so Paul goes on to say, put off all of those works of darkness because the day is coming. All of the the immorality and the drunkenness and all of those things that you might be getting caught up into, all of those sins and vices, put them off. Why? Is it because Paul's just kind of a killjoy? You know, he's a downer. Paul, why can't we have our fun in this life? YOLO, we only live once. Why can't we just make the most of it? It's because Paul knows that sin is like, well, do you guys know what tryptophan is? We just had Thanksgiving, so you probably know what tryptophan is. It's this enzyme, I think it is, in turkey and in wine, and it helps you do what? Fall asleep. Puts you to sleep, makes you drowsy, right? Paul's saying that sin, all of these works of darkness, are like tryptophan for the soul, see? They lure you, they lead you into this kind of spiritual drowsiness where you start to lose sight of the imminent return of our Lord Jesus. The readiness is all. And if we are going to be ready for his unexpectedly expected coming, we need to be vigilant, to stay awake and alert. So put off that tryptophan of the soul and keep vigilant. Vim, the readiness is all. So that's the first part, that V is vigilance. Secondly, the I is for indebtedness. Indebtedness. Now, I don't know how many of you are Dave Ramsey fans. I'm a big fan of Dave Ramsey. And his one drum that he keeps beating for his entire career is, get out of debt. Stay out of debt. If you're in debt, do everything you can. He says, be gazelle intense in order to get out of any debt. And I generally agree with Mr. Ramsey. But today, I'm going to say, no, no, there is one debt that you need to stay in, that you ought to run up. I'm not talking about your Christmas shopping, okay? No, it's the indebtedness of love. It's what Paul, again, says in that epistle reading. He says, owe no one anything except this, to love one another. Love is a debt that is never fully repaid. Now what Jesus has done through his death and his resurrection is he has paid your debt before God the Father in full. Over his cross was was nailed the sign that said, your debt is paid, your sin is canceled, that is taken care of. When you come before the judgment seat of God, you need not fear, you need not be wondering, well, wait a second, am I going to find out that I have an outstanding balance? Am I going to find out that I'm still in the red? No, Christ Jesus has lifted you out of the black and put you in the black, the black of standing in God's presence and knowing that you do not Stand indebted to him any longer because Christ has paid that debt on your behalf. Can I get an amen? amen? So he has done that for you. So the debt that you owe is not to God. It is a debt that you and I could never pay, but that Jesus has paid. The debt that you and I owe is to whom? It's to our neighbors, it's to one another. And it's a debt that in this life we never repay. We are always called upon to care for and to love our neighbors, to serve those whom the Lord might happen to put into our path. You know, there's this great quote that's attributed to Martin Luther. He says that even if I knew that tomorrow the world was going to pieces, today I would still plant my apple tree. And to me, what that quote is saying is, look, Jesus is returning At a day we do not know when. And so what am I to do today? What's been given to me? How I can love and serve my neighbor. How I can carry out my my vocations faithfully. How I can do the good works that have been placed in my path right now. That's all. I don't have to try and figure out the future. I can just love others in the present and keep that indebtedness. And in doing so, I will be ready for Jesus' return. The readiness is all, vim, vigilance, indebtedness, and finally, M, mementos, mementos. And I'm not talking here about mementos in the sense of souvenirs, you know, a little keychain or a thimble that you pick up at the gift shop when you go to visit Niagara Falls. That's not the kind of memento I'm talking about. I'm talking about a Latin phrase, memento mori, memento mori, and mori is just spelled M-O-R-I. And it's a phrase that means literally, remember your death. Dun, dun, dun. Wow, okay, this is getting kind of morbid, Pastor. I want to get a little morbid for just a second, but we're going to come out of it, and it's going to be very hopeful. Just stay with me, okay? Going all the way back in ancient times and up through the Middle Ages, there was this kind of spiritual discipline known as the Ars Moriendi, or the art of dying. And the whole idea is that if, people knew how to die well, then they would also know how to live well. And so there was this this whole set of devotional practices called the memento mori, so that each and every day we would be reminded of our death, that one day we will pass through this veil of tears and come into the presence of God. Now, what does that have to do with the readiness for Jesus' return? Well, again, going back to the earliest days of the church, this analogy was made. Christian teachers and and preachers would make this connection between the unexpectedly expected day of our death and the unexpectedly expected day of Jesus' return. For example, a guy by the name of John Chrysostom wrote this. He said, If ordinary persons knew when they were going to die, they would surely be striving earnestly at that hour, in order, therefore, that they may strive, not at that hour only, He doesn't tell them the day or the hour. He wants to keep them on their toes looking for it, that they may always be striving. So it is with Christ's return. You do not know when he will come, but you know assuredly that he will come. It's unexpectedly expected. We don't know when it's going to happen, whether it be the day of our death or the day of Christ's return. And so each and every day we want to be remembered, to remember and to be prepared I want to share with you this one uh, passage that I came across in one of these Ars moriendis, this memento mori, this remembrance of death. And in this scene, it was an imagined dialogue where somebody is on their deathbed. And while they're on their deathbed, they get an unexpected visitor, Satan, who wants to try and lead them astray at the 11th hour to hell. And so it goes like this. Satan says, you're frightened, aren't you? And the dying person says, yes, I am frightened, but I am trusting my Savior who calms my fears. Oh, really? You think you are going to be rewarded by this Jesus, don't you? You have no righteousness. Christ is my righteousness. Oh, Christ is your righteousness. You think Christ will welcome you to the company of Peter and Paul and the apostles, you who have sinned over and over again? No, I'm not going into the company of Peter and Paul. I'm going into the company of the thief on the cross who heard the promise, today you will be with me in paradise. Why are you so confident, you who have done nothing good? I have God's forgiveness and mercy. Legions of demons are salivating, waiting for your soul. And I would be hopeless and fearful before that if the Lord hadn't already crushed your tyranny your god is unjust what kind of god would bring someone like you into a kingdom of righteousness god keeps promises that is what justice is and i will call on his mercy pretty cool martin luther himself i think could have written something like that the idea is that each and every day As we have this memento mori, this remembrance of our death, at the same time, we are prepared and made ready for the imminent, unexpectedly expected return of our Lord Jesus. Vim, vigilance, indebtedness, and mementos. Friends, these are not the only sources of readiness, but if you practice this, I can promise you, you will be ready for our Lord's return. But there's one more thing. Let me give you one... One last thought. This past week on, on Thanksgiving Day, uh, I did one of my favorite Thanksgiving traditions. I was taking a glorious nap. <laughs> you know that moment when you know the, the lions have lost and this is the smell of food in the room and people are playing or arguing or whatever it might be and you're able to just sit in your favorite chair and slink back and take a nap. Well, that's what I was doing and it was wonderful. For a minute. And then all of a sudden, I had a little two-year-old alarm clock come running at me and scream right in my ear, wake up! Supper's ready! (laughs) And I just about flew right through the ceiling. (laughs) Thank you, Ellie, I appreciate that. (laughs) But then I interpreted this spiritually, as I am prone to doing. Because, see, look, Here's the gift that Jesus has given to you and me. When we come to his supper, we hear, Wake up! Supper is ready. Here, the Lord has prepared everything for you and me already. When we come to this table, it's like ammonia for our soul, waking us out of that tryptophan-induced slumber. That here, the Lord gives us this gift in remembrance of him so that we would remember not only the day of our forthcoming death, but the day of his death and his resurrection, that he has the victory already, and indeed that he has outfitted you already with everything that you need so that you don't need to look forward to his unexpectedly expected return in fear or anxiety or worry, but instead with that full confidence that when Jesus comes again, he will say to you and to me, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. You need not fear, because Christ has made you fully ready already. So seek him each and every day with vim. Amen. And may the peace of God that surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. We stand to sing the offertory.